1: Because I am responsible for my disobedience to God. And Jesus Christ intervened and said, I will take responsibility for the consequences of Jim's disobedience. Praise the Lord. It's also clear here that the Lord is not at all surprised by the unbelief of the world.
0: He's never lost control, which really shows us how powerful he is. God is all-knowing and is in control of the world. He knows what is happening every moment and knows even before it happens. It would be easy to say that, however, and not take responsibility for any of our own actions. Pastor Jim reminds us in today's message that we are still responsible for our actions. We have been given by God a moral code, which we are to live, and when we go our own way, it is our own decision. We cannot blame God for our sins, but we can come to Him daily for forgiveness. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of First Peter with part three of his message entitled, God's Special People. What he's
1: talking about here is people in the Old Testament who were responsible for their disobedience. People who were responsible for their unbelief. And then he adds this, to which they were appointed. It was their destiny. It is your destiny, Luke, right? It is their destiny. The sovereign Lord has declared it. This enters us into, uh, for those of you who like theology, you'll like the next few minutes. For those of you who don't take a nap, you'll feel better when you wake up. This enters us into the world of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. God's sovereignty, meaning his control of the world. Man's responsibility, meaning their accountability for the way they live. The theological term for this is compatibilism. And I am, without shame, okay, without excuse, a compatibilist. People say to me, tell me about your theological construct. And I go, I'm a compatibilist. Now, I'll have to tell you before I tell you exactly what it is, but while I don't claim to understand it, so I am something that I don't understand. And I don't think that the Bible even attempts to resolve it for us. It's more that something the Bible just states for us. The Bible teaches that God's sovereignty and man's responsibility are completely compatible. They are not odd odds. Somehow, they are compatible. They work together. Now, there's a tension here. Just think about it. Some people, Christians, I guess, they would say, like, no, it's all man's responsibility. It's all man's responsibility. Could you think of a more hopeless scenario? That this world is completely dependent upon us. (laughs) I mean, that is so completely hopeless. So you might say, well, then, okay, I'm not going to come in that camp. I'm going to go all the way over to here, and I'm just going to talk about God's sovereignty well, okay, I do believe that if I were going to go in one of the two camps, I would go into that camp. However, let's understand this. If God is responsible for everything, then no one is responsible for anything. So somebody goes in and they murder a bunch of people. They go in court and they go, well, what do you have to say to yourself? They say, it's God's fault, not mine. Send him to jail, not me. And if there was no accountability for our own responsibility, what need is there for a cross? absolutely no need for a cross. You say, well, can you give me an example? There's quite a few of them in the Bible. I want to give you one of my more favorite ones, and we'll, since we're with Peter, we'll stick with his ministry. Let's go back 30 years when the Holy Spirit had come and the church was beginning to form, and Peter's out there preaching, and he's out there preaching in Jerusalem. In Acts 2, 22 and 23, he says this, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know him, who's him, Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. There's God's sovereignty. The plan was a long time before Jesus showed up on the earth. You have taken by lawless hands. There's man's responsibility, have crucified and put him to death. Now, when somebody looks at you and says, man, you killed him, I don't get the feeling that he's saying it's against your will. I get the feeling there that Peter's saying, you did exactly what you wanted. You planned it, you decided to do it, and you went ahead and you did it. In the same way, Peter is calling out people who stumble over Jesus Christ in disobedience and unbelief. Now, I think it's fair to say, and here now we go into some murky waters here, I think it's fair to say that our, or we'll have to choose our words carefully here, So I'll try to fit into all theological constructs here if you know what I'm talking about. And that's one of the things here. We have people who, you're here, you've never been to a church like this. You're like, what is this guy talking about? And then we have people with seminary degrees who go here and and pastors who go here. So I have to try and fit everybody in here so we'll be careful of the language. I think it's fair to say that our disobedience has been ordained by God. Now you say, I don't like that word ordained. Okay, our disobedience has been ordained. Allowed by God. You say, I'm not sure I like that word. Okay, God created the potential for evil simply by giving us the ability to choose. Now you're saying, okay, so you're saying we have free will. Not total free will, not total free will. Meaningful choice, yes. 26 years ago, I made the second best decision of my life and I married Pam, okay? Meaningful choice, right? I also think it would be cool if I could fly, right? (laughs) Okay? But God has not given me total free will. I can't fly, right? So I can't do whatever I want, but I can make meaningful choices. But that not only means that we can choose to disobey, it also means that as the Holy Spirit draws people, we can choose to put our trust in Jesus Christ. And we can choose To obey. Now, this idea of compatibilism, and we're just about done here, so wake the person up next to you. Uh, We're just about done here. This idea of compatibilism should actually be very overwhelming for a Christian. Because I am responsible for my disobedience to God. And Jesus Christ intervened and said, I will take responsibility for the consequences of Jim's disobedience. Praise the Lord. It's also clear here that the Lord is not at all surprised by the unbelief of the world. He's never lost control, which really shows us how powerful he is. He says, do not murder. And people go out and murder. And he says, but I'm still in control. I'm in control of a world where people are constantly doing the things that I'm telling them not to do. So Peter's telling the churches, don't worry, little ones. It's not as bad as you think. Rather, rejoice and be believing. Well, the church is a house of building. God is building us. The church is a house of believing. He is telling us things. It's one of the reasons why I'm committed to teaching the scriptures. As week after week after week, God continues to lovingly make the case to us why we should believe in him, why we should put our trust in him. And finally, number three, the church is a house of belonging. Verse nine, but you... But you, believer, who is the opposite of the person who doesn't believe, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Don't worry, I don't feel like that either. (laughs) That's why we have to preach to ourselves, right? That's why. More words from Exodus 19. He says, His own special people. That's who we are. We're His own special people. And then he uses words from, from Isaiah 43 that you may proclaim the praises or the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Darkness, a picture for those who don't believe, light is a picture of those who believe. That's why we say they've seen the light. Verse 10, who were once not a people. If you're a Christian, you were not once part of God's people. You didn't belong to God's people. And he's using wording now from the prophet Hosea, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God. You didn't belong in this family before, but now you do. But now you do. Who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained or some versions say received mercy. Now because of the wonderful grace of God, everything is changed. Everything is different. You are now part of a heavenly host. You are now part of a city whose builder and maker is God that Abraham looked forward to. You are part of God's family. Remember we said, and I think it always bears repeating, man, it is one thing to forgive people of their sins, but it is really an entirely different thing to say, I forgive you of your sins and now I want you to come live in my house. And that's what God says to his children. And here Peter is really zeroing in on our identity as the worldwide and locally gathered special people of God this is a picture here of conversion, not to a new religion, but to a new destiny, to a new future, to a new hope, to the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And so what are we supposed to do with it? He's gonna give us some practical things which almost seem really weird. Uh, we'll talk about that in the, in the weeks to come. But we're to live lives of worship. You know sometimes I know and we talk about like okay let's get in for the worship and we in our culture we think it's the music right we call a position in a church a worship leader Jesus Christ is the worship leader And then the the people the people parking their cars they're they're worshiping the people making the coffee they're they're worshiping everybody serving and everything even if you just prayed and prepared your heart for this Service today, you are worshiping. And why do we worship? Again, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're like, why do these people worship? Because we have been brought into a marvelous light. It was like this, like, you know when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're, you're trying to find your way around and sometimes you're disoriented and you know what's going on, all of a sudden you hit the light switch and it just goes on and you're like, oh. Somehow God put on the light switch The Apostle Paul put it this way, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, that's from Genesis 1, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is he saying? Just like God hung the sun in the sky, he hung the light of Jesus Christ in your heart. So the Lord speaks... And he calls us to believe. He moves us from the darkness to the light of Jesus Christ. And we receive mercy for all our stumblings. For all the times we walked down that path, and there was the rock right in the middle of the path, and we said, You know what? I'm going to go a different way. Instead of embracing, we stumbled. Interesting that Peter started this section. We've really completed now the first section of this letter other than that first, you know, the beginning introduction. He started with mercy and now he ends this section with mercy. Mercy is not a word we talk about very much, is it? It's sort of a word that's kind of left our Christian culture. We talk about grace a lot, the things that God has given to us and has done for us, but we kind of lump it in with mercy, but they're two very different things. Mercy is we don't get what we deserve. We throw ourselves on the what? The mercy of the court. We're asking the judge, please don't give me what I deserve. And there's lots of grace talk in the church today. And there should be lots of grace talk in the church today. I applaud it. I, I use that language myself. But what we have going on, I believe, in the United States of America, and you can say, opinion, Pastor Jim, toss it out, or this, we're not teaching the Bible now. Now I'm up on the soapbox. But I really think in the church in America right now, we have pretty much a gospel without sin. a, a Pretty much a passing remark at sin. And therefore, we have a gospel without repentance. No, there's no need to turn from our sins to God. And when you don't have a gospel of sin and you don't have a gospel of repentance, then you have no need of what? Mercy. Because you think it does you're not so upset about, about the way we've lived our lives, about living with our lives, our, our backs to God. But when God opens your eyes to the gospel the grace of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, not giving you what you and I deserve becomes the primary personal motivation for living the Christian life. Because if you don't understand grace and mercy, when you fail, you'll be crushed. And when you succeed, you'll be full of pride. But when we understand how God's grace and God's mercy work together we can actually begin to see true transformation happen in our lives. That's how we can say we are part of a holy nation. That's how we can say we are God's special people because together we belong to the Lord. And we should be a people filled with wonder, filled with praise that we are God's special people. And when we are God's special people, we begin to get God's heart. And one of the ways we get God's heart is we desire to invite others. Now, let's be honest. Many will refuse to hear, but that doesn't lessen our obligation. Many will refuse to hear, but that doesn't mean everybody will refuse to hear Remember we said earlier in the book that we are aliens, we are exiles, we are strangers, we are pilgrims. Pilgrims are people who aren't home, they're people who are on their way home. And what will happen to us as aliens and strangers, we will be marginalized by this society. We will be despised by this society. We will be mocked by this society. We will be rejected by this society. We will be like Jesus. That's what will happen. Because we are chosen by God. Because we are special to our Heavenly Father. And friends, that's what makes us so out of step with the world. Because we're not like that anymore. We're different. We're not religious. We don't even know what's happened to us. You know, people say, what happened to you? like can I use God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or Bible? They're like, no. I'm like, I don't know, right? I don't know what's happened to me. So how do you become special? How do you become chosen? It starts by realizing and confessing to God that you have stumbled over Jesus. You went around him. You didn't do what he said. As we said before, you ignored him. You admit that you rejected God's way to heaven by not trusting Jesus. You admit that you lived in darkness and you actually admit you liked the darkness. You loved it. John 3.19, everybody knows 3.16, 3.19, right? Okay, light came into the world, but men loved darkness because their deeds were evil. You admit to God that there are other things that you loved more than God. The Bible calls that idolatry of the heart. But now, somehow, you have looked at the cross. You have sensed God speaking to you, drawing you in. And all you can say is, I need mercy. I need mercy. And what do you do? Well, he told us already, verse four, he says, You come. You come. Verse six and verse seven, he says, you believe and you trust in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, friend, what about you? Do you want to be chosen? Come, put your trust in Jesus Christ. God's sovereignty, you're chosen. Your responsibility, you need to come. Early in his ministry, again, Acts 4, the apostle Peter speaking verses 11 and 12, talking about the crucified and risen Savior, says this, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, quoting the Old Testament, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What's that name? It's Jesus. You know, people are fine talking about God, aren't they? People are fine talking about the Lord. The Lord. Some people are even fine talking about the Messiah or the Christ. But once you say Jesus, that's when it gets personal. That's when people realize, I really need a personal Savior. And some will grab that rock and some will stumble over it. Then much later on, The Apostle Peter would write this, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness. Now he's not saying the Lord's not a slacker. He's saying the Lord is not slow, but is long-suffering toward us. What does that mean? That means he's patiently waiting for you, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. I know it's really... You know, cool or spiritual to say within, uh, within you know, Christian circles that you want the Lord to come back today and I do want the Lord to come back today too but it's two sides of the same coin there's one side of the coin that I want the Lord to come back but I know a lot of you share this hope with me and that's one reason why we're doing a radio station we know we're going to tick a lot of people off we've already ticked the county off Right? And we haven't even gone on the air yet and they're already mad at me. Okay, And it wasn't personal offense. It was persecution. And that's what it is. And if you're listening right now, naughty, naughty. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> but as much as I want the Lord to come, one of the reasons I live here is because how seemingly God-forsaken this place is. And would you join me in desiring God to pour out his Holy Spirit on this area. But it's not gonna happen unless we start really telling people not just about the good news of Jesus Christ but also the bad news for those who don't put their trust in him. I don't know about you but I was with this passage all week And I felt really pastored by Peter. I really felt pastored by an apostle. I think he really pastored us today because he he didn't only tell us about a loving Savior, he told us about a stumbling Savior. He He told us why there's so many people who don't believe. And Peter heard Jesus preach And if you read Jesus' sermons, when people say to me, oh, Jesus never preached judgment. He's only about love and peace and bell-bottoms. I mean, I'm like, you never read the Bible. Or if you did, you were not paying attention. Peter heard Jesus preach. Peter knew that Jesus preached that all people were under judgment or under grace. All people were under judgment or under mercy. James 2.13, James would write, mercy triumphs over judgment. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you to become one of God's special people. And if you never have put your trust in Jesus, today is the day. And for all of the rest of us, may we all
0: continue to put our trust in Jesus today. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ, and we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass on this message to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord, Here in the book of 1 Peter, one verse at a time. We hear it changed by love. Pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.